Today, what we can learn from an athlete who's changed sports. Hello again, and today it's some Paralympic chat. 10 minutes of conversation with Charlotte Henshaw. Charlotte is an absolute nut on musicals, which I'll take, but a phenomenal athlete too. If you don't know her, she's a double leg amputee who won bronze as a swimmer in Rio and silver in London, missing out on gold by three one hundredths of a second. In these podcasts, I've got a group of athletes I hope you'll get to know ahead of the games and form a connection with, which will make you enjoy their events in the summer even more. So to Charlotte, she moved from swimming to para-canoe after Rio in 2016 and already has three golds at World Championships. Hello. I've had a lot of people talk to me over lockdown about they fancy a career change and I've thought about you. You competed in the Paralympics in London and in Rio in swimming and then you switched to para-canoe which seems completely different yep. so Tell us a little bit about your journey and what you think we could learn from you. It is very different on the on the outside, but that when I went across to Paracanoe, I quickly realised there are a lot of skills that I learned from my time in swimming, my many, many years in the swimming pool, and that actually really helped me at canoeing. And I soon discovered that aside from the the technical, you know, aspects of learning a new sport. The rest of it was was very much, you know, being able to transfer the skills I've brought from swimming to canoeing. So I think that the fact that it's a water sport really helps. And I, I don't think that it's really a surprise that somebody that had come from spending her entire life in the water could transfer it very easily onto the water. Because I, I kind of approached it as that my paddle now is an extension of what my, my hands used to do in swimming. So that's not that different so yeah I mean I absolutely love making that change and it, it seems a long long time ago now that I was a swimmer and uh, I was watching some of the, the the competition from Manchester last weekend and it just felt such a long time ago that I was sort of on poolside and going through all that process it, it feels like another lifetime ago. Agreed it is crazy isn't it to think gosh there you were in, in Rio in a completely mm. different sport what surprised you most I think about the change of sport? I think for me, um, th- there was a couple of things, actually. The first thing that I I found more difficult than I anticipated was I'd come from a sport that I, I knew very well and I had been very successful for, for a long period of time. So I I got this mindset of, of being you know, an elite athlete and I was successful and I knew what I was doing. So when I came over to canoeing, I still had that mindset of, I must do this. I must do that. I've got a lot of expectation of myself, but I hadn't really realigned my expectations to be, you know, you're perhaps not going to be at this position just yet because you're just starting out. So that was the hardest thing was to marry up how I felt in my head as to what was actually happening in the boat. And it took a little bit of time for that to kind of join together. And then I think the other thing was that I come from a sport that was very much distance based. We train a lot of distance at swimming plowing up and down the pool and then I moved to a much more sprint-based sport so just having to change my whole approach to training was quite was quite difficult because I was used to just plowing up and down almost constantly for two hours and we don't do that in canoeing and um, you know neither one is harder it's just a very different approach. What about you mean you sort of mentioned it there really that you'd proved yourself in the pool you come with a status and an expectation and you suddenly threw yourself into a, a sport where Actually, there were already proven people. And I wonder how much pressure you felt on yourself, the internal pressure. Uh, initially, none, because I 
I really took that time to kind of enjoy it and learn. But as soon as I started to compete, so I did my first international with Paracanoe six months after I first got in a boat. So the first six months was lovely. And I, in training, I was hard on myself, but um, that was to be expected, I think, because of where I come from. But then as soon as you put the performance element in, I thought, right, this is what I know. I know a competitive environment. So I then started to put pressure on myself to perform. And then I soon realized that actually the sweet spot for me is is not having that pressure and just enjoying what I what I was doing. So it, it was it was tough. I, I I won't say it wasn't, but um it was a brilliant experience to go through because I, I was learning all the time and I'd come from swimming where I knew it with my eyes closed sort of thing and, and I'd not experienced that feeling for a while so it was nice to kind of have that buzz and that excitement back uh, that's great to hear and now you seem <laughs> so much part of the furniture down at the water sports center it's just like your second home now isn't it crazy it is yeah um last time we spoke about a month ago you talked about your endometriosis and the symptoms and how you've been recovering from you know your exploratory op there how's that been yeah. going how how's training going yeah well thank you i certainly over the last couple of weeks since we spoke last and I've made a real push forward Uh, I feel much more back to normal now which is great I I think that's the hardest thing about injury and and illness and recovery it's you always want to to be further along than you are and that's that's part and parcel of being an athlete I think you're always trying to tread that fine line between doing enough but not doing too much and I feel like I found a nice balance now and I'm back to where I, I was which is exciting and um yeah, in terms of the, the the pain and things like that, it's 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 being managed. And, you know, there's been the odd day where I've woken up and thought, oh, this is going to be a bit tougher today. But like I said last time, we have a plan now and it makes those days easier to, to cope with. So on track, and where is the track then for qualification? You know, it looks, when we spoke four weeks ago, there was a lot of doubt about where the game's going ahead. Now, it seems like it's full steam ahead. So where are you on that journey? So we are about uh, two months out from our selection regatta, as we hope it will be. That's still a little bit up in the air as to what that will look like. Will it be a regatta as we know them or will it be a bit more behind closed doors, sort of squad only? We're not sure yet, but it's still due to happen in the middle of April. And then hopefully we will know which athletes are filling the boat slots that we've already got from 2019 so um not long eight weeks or so is it a straight race off is that how it works so i think how we're running it is it's uh three races over the day and it's best of best of the three i believe and if you are the the number one boat out of the three races then you get that um spot on the team so it's we've got a lot of people vying for those spots in 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 our squad and so it will be be really competitive and some great racing i'm sure it's a shame that probably people won't be able to see it so it's not a one-off race but it is a one-off day then yes it's one weekend we think we've got a three three day window because obviously we, we we need to maybe look at the weather and things like that because as you know that course at nottingham can get very windy and sometimes it's really not safe to be paddling so We've given ourselves a, a, a bit of a, a weekend window, a long weekend window to try and fit in two days of racing. And it's one, uh, the VAR boats are on one day and the kayak selection is on the next day. So it's all all, all or nothing on that day, which is uh, 
which is exciting but it's also what I'm very used to because swimming was very much the same it was a trials event and you had to do it on that day it wasn't a window of selection that they looked at your form it was do it at this competition or you don't go so hopefully that will put me in good stead because I've been through that many times before. (laughs) And how are you feeling because the the door to lockdown is slowly being pushed open Uh, Mm -hmm. I wonder what, what are you looking forward to when we're allowed to do it come Easter or whenever is there anything you're really missing I am missing not even the big things I think everybody's missing that you know going away when they can and all of that and for me the theatre is a big thing that I'm missing um because it's something that I really use as a bit of escapism um when I can but I think right now it's been so long since I've just seen people socially even outside and I think that's something that maybe a lot of people with disabilities have found that Certainly over the winter, it's been much more restrictive for me because the weather's not lent itself for me going out for a walk or meeting someone for that walk. So I very much rely on that ability to go and sit and have a coffee outside with people. And we've not been able to do that. So to be able to go and see my dad in his garden, because I've not really seen him and have a cup of tea and just little things like that. I think I've realised how important they are over the last you know, yeah. Did you see the programme, The World's Best Musicals? I did. I did. And who won it? What did you make? It was Les Mis, yeah. And um, I mean, I love Les Mis anyway. This is where my musical geek comes out. But um, I love Les Mis. And uh, I, I, I wasn't actually surprised at that one. Um, but I loved watching it. It was, it was so good to see the arts being celebrated. And I think they've had quite a tough time of it over the last year and it's a really tough industry to get going in this current climate so I think it was really good that they broadcast it on BBC One it was you know it was primetime TV and um, it was it was great to see it made me a bit emotional I have to say because I do really miss going to the theatre it's one thing that just for three hours it gives me headspace to not think about canoeing to not think about sport and um, you know, I can't wait to be able to get back down to London and, and do that when, when it's safe to. Brilliant. Oh, great to chat to you again. And hopefully we catch up in, a, in another month's time when the weather will be warm. There'll be no wind at the Water Sports Centre and you'll be uh, full steam ahead, <laughs> ready for qualification. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. The wind has certainly been blowing this week down at the Water Sports Centre. Thanks to Para Canoes, Charlotte Henshaw for the chat. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to these podcasts. You do so by just a touch of the button and it will mean that each day, every new episode of the podcast will land on your device for free without you having to do anything. And thanks too to those of you who've left a review. It means a lot to me. I'm super grateful. Thanks very much indeed. Well, that's it for now. There'll be more on the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye.